There are many ways people listen to vision, including on smart speakers. Just tell your smart speakers to play Vision Christian Radio. Alexa, play Vision Christian Radio. Vision. Yep, it really is that easy. You can also say, play V180 Radio for our music channel. It's just another way that Vision is helping you look to God daily. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. The letter from the GP said I had two years to live. I had to hand that to my insurance company. They wanted evidence from my neurologist and I had three of them give me the test and the GP. And the letter was sitting in the front seat of the car and the Lord spoke to me, you know, very clearly through my mind and my spirit. He said, Phil, this is not a death sentence. This is a visa that I want you to use to go into a people group. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, some insights into suffering from someone who knows firsthand about it. Pastor Phil Camden was raised in a Christian family. He's always had a heart for the Lord. However, he was devastated when he learned that he suffered from a terminal illness, that there was no known treatment and he wouldn't have long to live. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Phil shares how he has turned his diagnosis of motor neuron disease into a platform for preaching the promises of God. He's sharing his story with Shelley Scowen. Phil, what was going through your mind when you were first diagnosed with this? Yeah, well, first, hello and... uh Hi to everyone uh, that's listening. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you today uh, about motor neuron disease and um, and the plight of what people are going through. Yeah. Uh, it it um, was devastating, you know, uh, to to first of all go through all the painful tests because um, you know the neurologist didn't know what was wrong with me at first, and so um, there are a whole barrage of very, very painful tests that you have to go through and MRIs and uh, EMGs and a whole lot of stuff. And uh, and then for Lenore and I to sit there um, in the neurologist's, uh, you know, office there and for him to tell me that, you know, basically had two years to live, it was your world is turned upside down. It's never the same again. Wow. Yeah, that's the kind of news that you don't want to hear when you're sitting in a doctor's office, hey, that you've got a terminal illness and um, you're just going to get worse and worse and worse. Well, that's that's absolutely right. First thing we said was, well, what can we do about it, you know? like, And he said, look, there's nothing. We have no understanding of what causes it and there is no known cure. And, mm-hmm. um, and he basically said, come and see me in six months. There's nothing I can do for you. Just go ahead, go home and, and enjoy what little life you have left. Wow. Yeah, that's a shock to the system. Definitely a shock to the system. Talk to us yeah. a bit about the specifics of motor neuron disease. How does it actually work and how does it affect your body? Sure. Well, the motor neurons are the the, um, the vehicles of sending messages from your brain to all of your muscles in your body. And it, they actually are the carriers of that message. And they do it very quickly and very efficiently. And, um, and so if you think to move your hand or you think to run or to walk or to sit down, those thoughts trigger the muscles and your body responds. And it happens within, you know, milliseconds. But if those motor neurons die, um, then there's no way that that message can get from your brain through to your spinal cord through to the muscles and the legs that need to operate. 
this is a very yeah you know, this is a layman's uh, understanding of it yeah and um and so the more that those motor neurons die the less efficient your muscles are going to work until your legs no longer respond at all your arms no longer respond at all your hands your fingers all the muscles in your body begin to close down but all of your senses remain totally aware of what's happening Mm-hmm. Um, and so you eventually become totally paralyzed, in, in, immobile, um, and your lungs are a muscle. And so eventually you can't breathe. So you, you know, you, you watch your body slowly deteriorate in some cases very quickly. You know, I've had people who were diagnosed after me who have already died or further down the track than me. And, um, you know, you can't swallow. You have to eat through a tube in your stomach. You can not communicate with anyone. Eventually, you, you're only going to move your eyelids and you're only um, or communicating through eye gaze technology. Mm. What's that like then for you, basically seeing your future mapped out um, yeah. and seeing you know all these people around you and what's happening to them, knowing that it's going to happen to you too? It must be pretty awful. Well, uh, you know, it really it really is. And, you know, I mean, I'm a Christian, so a miracle could come at any time. But, you know, I know a lot of Christians that didn't receive their miracle until, you know, they get to heaven. You know, So, mm. so it's still a reality that you have to face. And uh, because motor neuron disease is, there's a, uh, a group that um, is funded by the government where we all get together once a month and we meet other patients with, who have the disease. Um, you are confronted with people in your world who are further down the track than you. Yeah. And so you know exactly what is going to eventually happen to you because you're in um, meeting with all of these people. And and so for Lenore and I, um, it was very confronting, very real. And um, it it uh, for me, I had to say, hey, you know what, I can't think too much about what tomorrow might hold. I, you know, I know that in a very real way uh, I'm going to lose the use of my whole body except for my senses and my thinking but by God's grace he's there preparing whatever I need in in that time you know Mm. and he's with you every step of the way absolutely you know know, Psalm 23 they'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil for you are with me and you know the common denominator in that in that psalm is if we're beside still waters, lying on green pastures or walking through the valley of the shadow of death, his presence is with us, you know. And, and people have asked me that. They said, well, where is God in all this? He used to be a senior pastor of a, a growing, thriving church, Church 180, and uh, and we've handed that over to Hillsong. And, and um, that's allowed me and Lenore to stay within the environment of that church where our friends are. But, you know, people say, where is God? And I just say, well, God's right with me, you know. Uh, he's tangibly, by the presence of his Holy Spirit, um, giving me strength and courage for every day that I have to face. Mm. Yeah, and, I mean, as as weird as it sounds, like, he does have purposes in all of this. He is sovereign. He is God of all of these things. And his good and perfect will might look different to what we think his good and perfect will should look like. Yeah, look, it's, you know, the enemy has come to steal, kill and destroy. So I have no doubt who gave me this disease and it mm. wasn't the end. It wasn't, it wasn't God. Yeah, but, but God allowed it to happen. 
Absolutely. And God can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. Yeah. So what I have to do as a Christian, just as a believer, a follower of Christ, is say, okay, bad things can happen to good people, but how can we take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good? So that the enemy, you know, kind of uh, goes, boy, that was a mistake, given Phil motor neuron disease, as he did 2,000 years ago when... Boy, you know, watching Jesus die on the cross, we thought we we won, but you know, it was turned around yeah. on Resurrection Day, and uh, the devil realised he'd made a big mistake. So we've got to take what the enemy tries to do to us and stop us. Like Paul in Philippians chapter one, it says, um, "This imprisonment was intended." to stop me from preaching the gospel, but it has the, the opposite effect. In other words, while, uh, while he was in prison, that prison gave him the opportunity to preach the gospel. Mm. And, uh, and Paul used it so that the guards were saved, the Christians that were in prison were encouraged and strengthened in their faith. Read, read Philippians chapter 1. And so I had to get to a point where I said, God, I want you to turn this around from evil to good, you know, let let something good come out of this. And um, and when I was taking the letter, you know, sorry to you know, keep going on this, but when I was taking the letter, the letter from the GP said I had two years to live. I had to hand that to my insurance company. They wanted evidence from my neurologist, and I had three of them give me the test and the GP. And the letter was sitting in the front seat of the car, and the Lord spoke to me, you know, very clearly through my mind and my spirit he said phil this is not a death sentence this is a visa that i want you to use to go into a people group and that people group uh called motor neuron disease sufferers you know mm. and i want you to go in there and take the light and hope and the gospel into that realm and um and i've been to the congo eight times nine times i know what a visa is all about you know a visa is about permission to go into a country and then you have to leave. And I just said, fine, God, I'm willing to go into this land, but you need to revoke the visa <laughs> any time you want. I'm, I'm happy to come back home, you know. So yeah. I think we've we just got to look for opportunities for God to take it. And you know what? We led our first motor neuron disease person to the, to the Lord. You know, I was sitting in his lounge room, and, uh, and two weeks before he died, I said, no, where are you in your relationship with God? And in that lounge room, I was able to lead him to the Lord. And two weeks later, I stood over his grave at in Gilgandra. And, you know, with his family all around the grave, I was able to stand there and, and read the scripture that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Mm-hmm. Anyone who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And, you know, two weeks before he died of motor neuron disease, that man received eternal life. And now has eternity in heaven. And that's that sure hope that we have as Christians and for you personally, where you, you basically have an end date of where the doctors are saying you're not going to be around after this particular date. Yeah. But you know that you're going to heaven. And so that peace that then comes over you is uh, enough to sustain you. Absolutely. And I think this is why the disease is actually moving slower through my body. I mean, it was just over two years ago that they told me I only had two years to live. Wow. So in that two-year period, I'm supposed to have lost the use of my legs, my arms, my lungs, my breathing capacity, my swallowing, my talking. I would not be able to talk to you. They thought that I would not be able to talk by now. 
Um, and so I've taken... You're a pastor. You know, there's no shutting you up. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we turn the problem into a platform yeah. to preach the promises of God. That's what I think. And so, um, you know, I was given this time and I, and, I, and I think because of the peace that reigns in our heart, because this is not about sickness. This is about death. Mm. So we're talking, hey, um, when we confront death and come to the realization that death has lost its sting and there's no power in death anymore, then peace can flow in our hearts and our spirits. And Mm. and that's where the disease then is not triggered by stress. See, motor neurons die when there's the fuel of stress in our body. And when you remove that stress, then the... um, the process of death can slow down as well. I'm not saying that's the only thing, but I think that there's a lot of things. I'm taking 40 vitamin supplements a, a day. I'm praying. I'm meditating. I've got people all around the world praying for me. Um, and uh, and so the disease, I'm, I'm just saying, God, I don't care if the ones that have died don't come back to life. Just keep the ones that are alive still kicking. Yeah. <laughs> so, You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with Phil Camden about the impact the diagnosis of motor neuron disease has had on himself and his family. However, Phil has a deep conviction that God is not through with him. Next, we'll find out how he's using his ministry to create awareness of the disease and to preach the gospel to those in the MND community. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. You're listening to The Story. Today, Phil Camden is chatting with Shelley Scowen about how the diagnosis of motor neuron disease has changed his life. Before the break, we heard how God is calling him to reach other sufferers with the gospel message. Next, Phil shares about what he has learned about suffering with MND. Phil has actually outlived his uh, diagnosis date, which is a great feat, Phil. Um, I'm sure it's something you're very grateful for. What have you done over this time? You know, from that time that you were given the diagnosis, you've got two years to live. Yeah. And obviously there's that massive period of grieving and just going, you know, asking God all the big questions and everything. Did you then get to the point where you went, okay, well, let's start making some practical preparations uh, for all of this and let's go and have some fun. Do you have like a bit of a bucket list of things that you just wanted to go and do? Yeah, great question, you know, because um, when you get handed you know, information about motor neuron disease. Two people get diagnosed every day. Two people die every day. La- um, last year, over 800 people died of motor neuron just in Australia. Wow. So we're talking, you know, um, the, you know, the death penalty for people and um, and the, or diagnosis. And so when we, I first got it, um, I resigned all of my positions. So people die in many ways before they die physically. You know, I lost yeah. my, I gave up my job, my position on the um, the state executive on church planning, New South Wales, or everything that gave me a sense of self worth and significance. 
I was finding myself a month later sitting at home with no job and um, and trying to walk my family, my two daughters, my wife, through this prognosis and diagnosis. And, uh, and so I very quickly learned that I have to help my kids. Uh, I, asked my, I asked my kids this question because they didn't want to talk about the disease. They wanted only to believe for the miracle. So I couldn't talk about worst-case scenarios. So I, as a dad, I said, look, let, let's assume that the best thing happens. The best thing is me getting a miracle. The following Sunday, Will will be in church, hands raised, praising God, thanking God for the miracle. I'll write my book and I'll travel the world <laughs> on that miracle, you know. Yeah. But so I haven't got a concern for you kids if I get my miracle. My concern is, worst case scenario, if I don't get healed the way you want me to get healed, um, then will you be in church the following Sunday after my funeral, hands mm. raised, loving God, worshipping him as much as you did when, as if I got my miracle? And if we can deal with that reality, then anything that comes our way we can conquer, you know? Um, and so we had to walk through that. And, and I did that on a cruise. I took them on a cruise uh, through the Mediterranean and we had to eat together every night on the cruise um, and we were able to give those nights to each other to ask questions and deal with our hurt and our suffering and our uh, bitterness and anger and, and resentment, do go through all of that stuff. And um, and then I had I basically remained silent at home for 12 months, focusing on my family and my wife. And then once I felt that we had the strength to come out of this and, and walk through it, I started my blog Fridays with Phil and I started using the platform of my ministry to create awareness. Yeah, and it's great that you are speaking out and creating awareness. I've just seen an article that you had in the local newspaper there, so that's a great way to uh, create awareness when it comes to uh, motor neurone disease. But also, your witness just in that newspaper article was wonderful as well, just saying that, yes, you are believing for a miracle and, you know, your faith has been a great strength uh, in, in this time. Yeah. So I think it, it's great that you are using that platform now to um, do some some wonderful things. Can you just expand a bit more on this whole if the miracle doesn't happen? Because in churches these days, there there is that whole thing of, you know, if you don't get healed, then it's obvi- obviously because you don't have enough faith or there's something wrong with you or uh, there's, you know, some other reason. Um, yeah. Not everyone gets healed from things, hey? No, and, and that's, you know, that's a very real challenge because some of your listeners even know now when they heard me say, if the miracle doesn't happen, immediately they would say, well, you're not going to, even talking that language, you're not going to receive your miracle. You have just doomed yourself, your faith, to the reality that you're not going to receive a healing because you can't talk like that, Phil, and expect a miracle. You know, mm. you can't have an if. You have to be absolutely 100%, I'm going to get my miracle, and that's the only thing that I'm going to settle for. Um, unfortunately, as a pastor, I have, buried many people who have, you know, faced their, their ultimate death with that um, in their life, thinking that, you know, they could earn through whatever means their healing. And, you know, I got saved by grace. There was nothing that I could do to earn it. All I had to do was accept it and receive it. And... 
the message of healing should be as simplistic as that, that, you know what, I can't earn my healing. I can't, um, you know, you know, do things that, that are going to um, cause God to, to heal me or not. It's based on grace and not by works. And so all I need to do is be open every day to receive the miracle. And um, if that doesn't come, I'm okay with that, you know, if it doesn't come the way that I want it to come. But a lot of people would, would you know, and, and I'm happy to talk to anyone in relation to this, but um, a lot of, for, for me, a lot of our faith has been superstition. Like if we put a smoke alarm in the house, then we're not believing God to protect our home from fire. If we take out life insurance, then we're not protect, we're not believing God to protect us from getting sick. If we take out car insurance, then we're not believing God to protect us on the road, you know, and, you know, it's stupid thinking to think that, that God's watching every move and going, oh, because you did that, I'm not going to protect you, or because you said this, I'm not going to heal you, um, and and really, it's, it, it, um, mate, it makes God a puppet for us rather than we being servants of him. He's actually, you know, a part of the suffering. And he cares about us. He cares about, you know, what we're going through and he's there with us every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think it's a shame when, when you know, I've seen young mum. Now, this is not a hypothetical. I've seen a young mum sitting in church who was told by an evangelist to go home. She had brain cancer. Told by an evangelist to go home. God has healed you. She had a 10-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter and, you know, a husband. So she would not allow them to talk to her about death from that point on. The only thing that she would believe was that she was healed and she was not going to die. She died of that brain cancer and the process that her kids and her husband went through was not allowing to, for them to talk to her in the, in the days leading up to her death. So they couldn't open up. They couldn't say how much they loved her. They're going to miss her. Mm. They're going to see you. We'll see you in heaven. We're going to stay with God. We're going to continue to worship Jesus. Mum, we will see you again. Those words were not able to be spoken because it looked like it was um, negative speech. It looked like it was, you know, um, talk that didn't believe in the promise. And um, and I think church, we we have to get real, um, and we have to understand that though we believe in miracles, ninety percent of the time those miracles are not happening. Um, and you know what? For me to get a miracle, I'm still going to go to heaven one day. But I'm believing for a cure for motor neuron disease. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm partnering with, you know, Freeze MND that's, you know, a big fundraiser through the AFL. I'm going, man, let's find a cure because if we can find a cure, it keeps people alive longer who haven't yet had the opportunity to accept Jesus. Mm. And um, it, it's a, a win for me and it's a win for them. Absolutely, yeah. So I think sometimes my personal healing can be selfish. Yeah, that's true. And on that note too, I thought it was um, great to see that 300 people from your church joined joined a fundraiser recently that raised over twenty thousand uh, dollars for finding a cure for MND too. So, yeah, just wonderful to see your church getting involved and getting behind you personally, and of course the wider community. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's been wonderful, you know, the support that I've had from the church and from, you know, from Hillsong. You know, as soon as Bobby and Brian heard that I was, um, had this diagnosis, um, the, the first sister um, hood uh, or conference they had, you know, they were praying for me and they got people praying for me. And so, you know, I'm as strong as I am today. Uh, and I know this because of the grace of God and the, the answers to prayer. And so I'm going to stay here as long as I can and, and rescue as many people um, with motor neuron disease from hell as possible. Yeah, what a wonderful perspective to have. If you're interested in finding out more about Phil, motor neuron disease, or maybe you'd just like to read more of his ponderings, you can go to fridayswithphil.com. That's fridayswithphil.com, a fascinating blog there. Phil, I reckon I could chat to you all day. You have just such a wonderful perspective on life. I, I think we all need to adopt a mindset like yours where living with that eternal perspective rather than, you know, the everyday um, and seeing the things that actually matter in life rather than the frivolous things that we seem to get so worried about. Thank you thank so you. much for spending a few minutes and uh, chatting with us today. Well, thank you and, and God bless all the listeners that are there and thank you very much, Shelley, for the opportunity to be able to speak to you today. I really appreciate it. That was Phil Camden sharing with Shelley Scowen about his journey with motor neuron disease. And it was great to learn the insights he's gained while on that journey. And as he shared, he's been greatly comforted by these words in the Bible. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you, O Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. To learn more insights from Pastor Phil Camden, you can go to his website, fridayswithphil.com. That's fridayswithphil.com. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.